Hi, everybody. Welcome to Thoughts, Feels, and Conversations. I am Idumelin Digore. And I am Bupilo Wachakekana. I don't know why it feels like we haven't done this in seven years. I was about to say we're back. <laughs> Even though our episodes yes. have been out on time, please. It has, it has. But I think because a month is quite a long time and a lot happens in a month. That is um, very true. So I, uh, releasing an episode a month it does give us a lot of time in between recordings mm-hmm. so even during the day while I was thinking of this episode I'm like I don't think I remember how to do this it, it feels like it's been that long every, so I and I feel know. like every time we come back it feels like a long time so I think the yes. month is you're right about the one month thing Yes. Um, it feels like a hot minute, but here we are guys welcome we back. are back welcome back yes. um I hope you guys have missed us as much as we've missed doing this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, if you're new to the platform, welcome. Welcome. Oh, welcome oh my gosh. To the Lucky you. You have a lot of episodes to catch up on. <laughs> yes. What a blessed human being you are. Unlike all the other people who keep saying to us, when is another episode coming out? When is... <laughs> oh, we love the regulars. You guys, you know, we love the we community. Love but yeah. if you are a regular, you would know that in true TFC fashion, we um, every episode, we just share what's been on our minds, what's been on our hearts. And with below, do you want to tell us what's been happening in your life? I feel like a lot has been happening in your, in your life. <laughs> so you, you have a lot to share. That's just how I feel. Where, to, where do I, I even where to start? start? <laughs> But yes, I have turned 30 since the last time we spoke um, on this platform. I am a newly 30-year-old girl. And, um, you know, like the third floor, the views are quite scenic, guys. I must just say that I can't believe that a young girl like me (laughs) is a whole 30-year-old. Like my brain is like wait me what how um but I also just have like this new zeal like to get my life together um and not even like in this weird pressure like you know but I'm like this I went to the dentist this week let me go get my dental checkup done let me you know do this let me be serious about like my gym stuff and let you know I'm just getting focused I'm like I need to go get Mm. a pap smear I need to do all the things like I'm just you know trying to get into 30 organized and, and and all those things so I have literally like this fresh zeal for this new decade, which is exciting. Um, but I feel like what's been on my mind a lot this week is, you know, we we speak quite a lot on, on this platform about recon- deconstructing our theology and reconstructing it, um, particularly for us um, as a result of what happened in 2020 and many other in- like things that have happened since then. But I realized like that I am still reconstructing my faith. Um, because I was I was thinking about something this week that made me realize, wait, hold on, I need to, that in this one particular area, I need to unlearn what mm-hmm. I have learned to be true because I recognize what my default was. I was like, who? And then I had to ask myself, wait, but do I still believe this? Mm-hmm. Like, do I still believe this to be true? And the answer is like, no. The, I actually like answered myself and I was like, mm, I don't think so. So now I need to revisit, you know, because I'm like, believing this is inconsistent with everything else that I know or believe about God as it stands, you know, in my reconstructed theology. 
So I'm now having to, I'm recognizing that the journey of unlearning and relearning is not as, you know, it's not okay, quickly, okay, shop, 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 I've made my mind, it's done. Mm. But I'm recognizing mm. that I will probably continue to go on this journey. But I was also in, I was in a very, very um, helpful sort of conversation slash seminar thing. Um, I think it was last week. Uh, the Warehouse hosted a conversation on, on, on theological formation. Um, mm. And it was such an interesting conversation because like I had never I was wondering actually when I was going into the thing I'm like oh now that I'm not a student I have so much time on my hands let me just go you know let me hear what other kids are thinking and saying about these subjects and often we've spoken about spiritual formation and things like that and and I was like I wonder what the conversation around theological formation is going to look like right and then someone said um the, one of the opening conversations, okay, this just signifies that there's so much happening on my mind. I went from 30 <laughs> to unlearning to theological formation. Welcome to my life. Um, but and that the, you're no longer a student. That's also another thing. That that's is happening. new. I forgot that it's new in this season of my life because <laughs> I'm not a student. I feel lazy half the time because I'm like, well, what do I do with this time? But anyway. Mm -hmm. So this theological formation conversation, it was on, it, it, I think it actually happened on the, it was on the Marikana anniversary, the 10 year anniversary of the Marikana massacre. And the mm. first thing that um, one of the, the, the hosts was saying is um, um, how Cyril Ramaphosa has been, like his involvement basically in politics through the years. And there was one particular, um, I don't remember this particularly, but those of you who know will know, like he, I think he was a chaplain or he was a Christian something, something in one of these um, political um, organizations. I don't remember if it was NUM or something like that, but way back when he's, he's been in, 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 a, in a role like that, right? Um, which I quote unquote affirms his faith and not necessarily, I'm not sure. And so, then the question that this person was asking is um, what, what kind of theology, what is it about our theology rather that allows things like the Maritana massacre to happen? You know, like what is it about our theology as, as, as people who love God and, you know, we profess to believe in who God is and things like that. What is it about our theology that allows for something like that to happen, that allows for us to be okay with something like that happening. And then he said, could it be that it's the same thing that allowed for things like apartheid, for colonization and for slavery to happen in the name of Jesus, you know, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about how um, all of life forms us theologically. But then they asked another question. There was another um, statement that was made about how it was, there was another lady who actually said, what does it mean for us to understand like how our theology is formed that we, we need to ask ourselves what does it mean for God to be faithful in different spaces right and and she made a reference to how often we are taught in our churches to you know read your bible do your worship in your room and pray you know and then your theology is formed in that manner right in your own little isolated bubble but what does it mean for God to be faithful to your neighbor um, because mm -hmm. ultimately this is a faith a communal faith and so our theology should be formed by the community, you know, and I often speak about living across from Plastic View, what, is, what does it mean for God to be faithful to my neighbor who lives in Plastic View, and how does that um, inform my theology, and it was just like this massive conversation about theological formation, about, you know, how diff all of life continues to form us theologically, but then she said, um, or it was another person who said, 
on a Sunday, what kind of, how does our theology allow us to, on a Sunday, be in church, right? And then on a Monday, you're continuing to exploit people. <laughs> like, <laughs> what theology is that one? You know, and I realize how we can live such, not only isolated, but fragmented lives. Like on a Sunday, I've done my due diligence. You know, I've ticked my faith box. On a Monday, you don't even recognize how, like you okay that one's done you're into the next thing and then exploitation you know mm. but how how do our lives you know how can we proclaim or say that we are bible believing christians we believe in god you know um and our theology allows for us to live such disjointed lives and i was so challenged by that you know because you know, theology is not for the sake of just theology but meant for all true. of our lives yeah you were gonna say i think that um what I've found interesting in the formation of our theology is mm. how every kind of theology has an adjective. You know, like sometimes we'll say like liberation theology, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Um, but feminist the, theology. Feminist, but when we are talking about when we are othering theology, mm. but when it's our own theology, it's just theology. You know, that's so I, true. I, and and I think that. Um, oftentimes when we do that, we view ourselves as the oppressed, overcoming the oppressor. And mm. seldom do we ever think about ourselves in this, in the sense of theology as the oppressors that need to repent. So that I think that's how, how um, it's possible to have this fragmented um, living that, you know, on Sunday you're praising God and then on Monday you are exploiting others because you don't, it's so, it's so difficult for people to, to view themselves as the oppressors. And even we see it, I see it um, just on the internet because, you know, I'm always on social media. <laughs> you're fighting the humans on the socials. <laughs> um, just how um, there was a conversation, I don't want to digress, I'm just going to, a little bit, just a little bit, there's a conversation mm, going on about like, um, about Shein, mm. uh, the clothing store, and how they have such exploitative uh, uh, labor, labor practices, mm. and there was like people talking about how it, um, firstly, Shein has a massive size range, so mm. it, it um, you know, it it it, create, it caters to plus size Inclusive, yeah. market yeah that does not that is very difficult to find you know mm. uh, sizes in yeah, and also it's sense. affordable so mm. there was a there was a conversation about whether um, those are reason enough to shop at Shein mm. and 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 I realized that everybody that was for that yeah the reasons were very valid mm. but also Shein like they always in the prayers about. <laughs> human trafficking and mm-hmm. slave you know like it's just it's crazy so mm-hmm. um so what i realized is that a lot of the 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 points that the people were making they were seeing themselves as the victim of the situation that yes oh i don't gosh. it's it's very difficult sizes anywhere else yeah so Eesh. i'm good but i'm like but now you are actually partnering with the the oppressed people that are oppressing other people and so it's it's very so i think that it's so easy to separate the mm. the theology that you that you claim to practice on a Sunday and make and and have it inform all the all the other ordinary decisions that you make throughout Ish. your week because it, it requires 
It requires laying down your preferences, laying down, you know, like laying down your life and, and carrying your heart. Your and and it's inconvenient. It's an inconvenient. It's it's costly. So it so I think it it's it's so easy to default to having the the fragments within your like Sundays. <laughs> yes, Jesus paid it and all. Monday business as usual. And I think it's crazy because like you're saying how we need to lay down our lives we need to lay down our lives which i think that's exactly it like we we, we really need to lay because how can we say god is faithful mm. and mm. yet you know live in a like how can we say yeah, yeah god is faithful god is faithful and yet continue to participate in people's oppression like how do they say god is faithful yeah. you know mm. what i mean like how how does our our actions inform their theology mm. you know and and it's you raise such a good point about saying that no one wants to see themselves as the oppressor because even in this conversation that we were in about theological formation i think someone mentioned something about how in the whole cat and mouse um scenario um how your theology is formed can make the cat see themselves as a mouse yeah <laughs> you know can allow for the cat to see themselves as a mouse or something like that and i'm like oh my gosh you know, like, and so I, I think I'm just like super challenged with that thought. Like, what are the things that are informing my theology? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I, how do I, because someone else also said about theological formation requires participation, right? And that, um, and then someone mentioned how we need to remember. So not necessarily remember, but like re with a hyphen and member. Mm-hmm. So regain membership into society um, mm-hmm. rather than, isolating ourselves from the society and then forming our theology in isolation find remembering into the community and allow that to help us and I mean by community as well I feel like the Christian thing to do would be oh, finding my church community you know the mm. gathering of believers in your church building on a Sunday that's one thing but I think and I also I think we've spoken previously about how churches can be like alternate universes in a society, you know, between these four walls, this is an alternate. And then when you step out, you know, you are met with real life. So when I speak about remembering into the community, I mean, into the society that you live in um, and, and, and establishing your theology alongside those people. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how I do that. You know, what are the ways that I'm participating in my community and allowing that to form my theology? Because I recognize that a lot of my, my theological participation does happen inside the four walls of my church. And mm. unless it's happening like with my friends alongside people that I'm close to, you know, we are forming one another's theology, but how do I participate in this community that I live in alongside these people, my neighbors that have their various you know, challenges from various sort of social classes and things like that. And, and, and how do I allow that to inform my theology um, mm. is something that I'm, I'm pondering about. This has been such a long try, but this is where I'm landing it. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a, lot. It's a whole lot. Um, and tell me about you, Ms. what is happening in your world, in your heart? Uh in your life when uh with taking child of school of work of life I'm definitely suffering um, child of responsibility 
I'm suffering. Um, I'm going through the most in terms of school and work. Just, mm. yo, I'm going through the most. Um, but I've, so I've started watching Grey's Anatomy from season one. You actually mentioned this, um, I remember you saying, oh my gosh. And it, like, even though I, I probably watch maybe 30 minutes a day, it has mm. become like my favorite moment of the day, you know, okay, I I either having lunch or having supper um, or just taking a, a, a mental break. But it, mm. it honestly has become my moment of delight in the day. That's um, so precious. And I think it's so, what I find interesting is that also, I feel like you always have these deep <laughs> words on your mind <laughs> and I have the most random ones. <laughs> Guys, I'm an Enneagram four, in case you're wondering. Uh, and true, no, we're not true. boxing ourselves for anyone else who feels like we are. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think watching Grey's as an adult has been very different to when I watched it as a... When you started. As a young, yeah, when I started, because I was in varsity when I started. Um, so the same. So just the what I perceive from the the dynamics of the relationships are very different from what I remember. Mm. Um, so it's that just watching that show in the past few weeks has, um, I think for the first time, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm actually an adult because I'm, I'm relating to the, to the struggles that the characters are facing on an adult level. Oh, no, no, you know, no, no. I, it doesn't, it doesn't feel far removed from my reality. Mm. Um, so it's that it's been very interesting and I'm, okay, I'm loving I it. Love I love Grace. For anyone who may not know this, I absolutely love Grace Anatomy a lot. So I do too, but you know, I haven't watched it in so long and you know this because I've we've spoken about this personally that yeah. season 70, I think we, there's, they're on season 18 now, ne? I think. I actually don't know. 18. I, yeah. I watched the second last season halfway and then I hadn't continued and then I have not watched the most recent season. And I don't know why, like I literally just didn't. So I feel like I, I probably like, just need to reinvest my time. I think you should. It's, and I just saw that they just signed up for a new season. <laughs> okay. Also, so like, like, I wonder when it's going to end. But it's, I'm, never. I'm not This is Shonda's cash cow, please. I'm not, I'm not complaining. The black girl needs to eat. And this is the stable way that she's going to eat her money. Everything else can be a short-term project. She needs a long-term. I understand. But we are here for it. We are are so here for it. We are definitely here for it. That is what's happening in my life. Um, That is great. I will not elaborate on my suffering. suffering. (laughs) I love that you have pockets of delight because I was also thinking about how I haven't Sabbathed the way that I used to. In fact, someone was saying to me, yo, I can't wait for your Sabbath content. And that made me realize like, <laughs> I haven't been Sabbathing or Sabbath contenting. So I'm like, I need to find my zeal for that again. Yes, you do. Um, Especially now that you have the time to do it. I know. It's the weirdest thing, but I feel like since school has finished and probably also now that I've turned 30, this feeling is amplified. I feel like I need to rediscover myself. Mm. like oh what makes me tick oh what do I have to do again you know like I need to I feel like I also need to find my voice this is 
you know getting real deep real quick but it's a very interesting because I'm like oh, I feel like I you know yeah. yeah so it's a very interesting time in my life so very interesting but um today's episode yes. today's episode is something quite different um we often ask people to give us like topic suggestions and mm-hmm. we get a few and some of the topics are topic suggestions that we receive unnecessary things that we can talk about for an entire episode mm-hmm. um so we thought that we could have this episode where we answer some of the questions that we've received mm-hmm. um so yeah so this entire episode will just be us answering questions that we receive from our listeners um a lot of them are through instagram so if you're not following us on instagram you will follow us and this go podcast we do engage well we try to engage with our community as much as possible on that platform and um and also another uh, one of the most popular (laughs) questions and and topic suggestions have been uh, has been on purity culture so yeah, and you guys asked us this last last year as well. Dude, it's been a whole year. <laughs> I love um, that you are interested in our perspective on purity culture. Thank you. <laughs> but I do also you know, we do mention, we have mentioned like how we, we are. We make friends. references. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so we give I, a teaser. So you're like, spit it out already. <laughs> give us the tea. <laughs> So um, in this episode, we're not going to be answering any of the questions that we've received pertaining to purity culture because we are going to have an a entire episode. episode. Yes, yes, we said culture. a separate episode. We, we are going to do it. We're biting the bullet. We are. We are. <laughs> but we're not we doing are. it right now because we are still yeah, pondering. No. But this is our second yeah, year of pondering. Know. Purity culture is yeah, is a thing, hey? It's a thing. Um, but so yeah, we are going to have an episode later in the season, all about purity culture. So no questions on purity culture will be answered in this episode. Amen. But we have a whole lot of other, I think, quite interesting um, questions. I'm going to start um, with the. Mm-hmm. The lightest question we have because a lot of them are quite deep, but the lightest yeah. question we have is probably um the one about our f- the favorite thing about yourself and about each other. Mm. You, you first, can start. Oh, <laughs> um, a favorite thing about ourselves and each other. Um, my favorite thing about myself. That's very hard. I think. Probably, I don't know what the correct word that I'm looking for is. Um, Perhaps versatile. Um, I think versatile, the fact that I have many like varying passions, you know, Mm -hmm. and that I am able to apply myself equally to those things, you know, whether it be my passion for music, my passion for theology, my love for conversation, so all sorts of things. So I think I, I love that I am, I am wired this way. Mm -hmm. Um, It does sometimes feel complicated because I'm like, what am I good at? You know, what is my niche? What is my thing? You know, but I feel like I think I love the fact that I have multiple things um, and that in different seasons of my life, I am able to pour 
myself out into the different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in the past season, it has been my theological studies. And mm. so, yeah, so I think I really, really appreciate that about myself, but also my mind, that I think my mind allows me to be able to attend to all those things. So yeah. I think ultimately my mind would be the one thing that, um, that I really enjoy about myself um what do I appreciate about you I feel like this oh my gosh I think (laughs) one thing about she is confident confident girls love that with all my heart she is a girl who does not sleep on herself like if there's a girl who you know there's this weird no yo not weird maybe I say it's weird because you know it's not weird I take that back but there's there's this like emphasis of know your worth know your value Mm. you know this whole thing um and I think you're a girl who knows you know you don't sleep on your value and and I don't say that in a cliche sense in the like you you know what you bring to the table you know you you know like you know what you're bringing to the table and you bring it to the table and it's it there's nothing to be undermined about what you bring Mm -hmm. to the table so I really really appreciate that about you and I think another thing that I really appreciate is is how our opposites are able to complement each other yeah. I cannot for the life of me you, like Ito and I are so different <laughs> <laughs> and maybe because we tend to a lot sometimes let me not even say a lot of the time sometimes we tend to have like um similar views on things people probably think we are very similar but we are so different and why I appreciate that is because our differences somehow tend to work so well together like yeah. If it were up to me, I probably would have done TFC for like six months. And then the way that my <laughs> life is set up and wired, I would have been like, okay, I'll see it again, you know. But the way our strengths and weaknesses um, work with one another is in such a way that I'm like, oh, wherever I'm weak, you're automatically strong. <laughs> and it's the best thing because I'm like, oh, I never have to worry about this because it's got this covered. <laughs> or, I know you're going to think about this. So you're going to, you know what I'm saying? I really, really, really appreciate that about you. And then my third thing would be like how you are as a friend, like how you show up for friendships. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the word is loyalty, but I, I think it could perhaps be a, a bit more than that. You are a very intentional friend. Um, and I think that's probably one of my favorite things about you as well. That's so kind. Thank you. That's, that's, that's that on that. That's very kind. And um, you, Miss Madam? <laughs> um, so uh, the favorite thing about me goes hand in hand with your favorite thing about me is that mm-hmm. I really think, I've said it before, I think I'm a hoot of a person. You so, are a whole hoot, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the fact that um, you would use the word hoot is a hoot in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so deciding uh, what my favorite thing about myself was very difficult. Um, but I do, I, th- I think also, I think my mind, the way that I perceive and think of things mm. um, or think about things, um, I really, I think that I'm very o- open-minded yeah. and, um, and I enjoy yeah. that about myself uh, because mm. it allows me to, to experience the world in a way that I enjoy mm. experiencing, if That's that makes sense. Good. I feel like being open-minded, um, I don't like being 
boxed in any way. So being yeah. open-minded allows me not to be boxed, not to box yes. myself and my thoughts. Mm. Um, so I really, and in turn, you, you are the same with people. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So I really um, I enjoy that about myself mm. um, and about you. Um, I have a top three as well. Um, in, in no particular order, yeah. I think your, um, your gentleness you're a very mm. gentle person, and um, and and not only to me, but I'm going to talk about how you are gentle to me. Um, mm-hmm. In the way that you, uh, like when I'm suffering and going through the most, I'm very dramatic. Mm. I'm a very dramatic person, <laughs> so my messages, my status—they're all very dramatic. And the way you approach me, um, it feels gentle. Just in the words mm. that you use and the approach that you use, feels very mm. gentle, and. Um, and it's also, it's the opposite of me. I think, I, I wouldn't say that I'm not gentle, but I'm very dramatic in my yeah. expressions and the words that I use. Um, so I feel like I, your, your gentleness is felt a lot in my life. That's right. And, um, and also, this is a, a Christian cliche. I don't like using Christian cliche cliches but your heart for people um the I think that you um like if you if we were to walk into a room I think that you would you would see and acknowledge every person in that room um Mm. I think that you you see and acknowledge people and I love that about you and um and then um my third one um, I th- uh, I love your mind. I love the way that you think about things, and I, I love that you you dig deep and then you mm. overthink things because it shows that you care. <laughs> um, I overthink everything. Oh my gosh! I used to think I overthink, but girl, <laughs> you are on the throne. Okay, but. it's an indication of the fact that you care about things you care about um the way that you communicate the way that that people experience you the way Mm. that the world works and that you you think about these things because you care about them um Mm. so yeah and also okay a fourth one i also love that we are so different i actually i think we are more different than we are similar like i even think that we 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 seldom think the same about situations, but okay. I think that um, that we balance each other out really well. Mm. Like in in instances where I would um, like, I, for example, like you're very gentle, and I'm like extremely extreme and but also i i tend to give people the benefit of the doubt and you yes. you tend and I'm to like, do, I'm out. You, <laughs> so i think that we we balance each other out really yeah. well and i love that i love that we found each other so that mm. we can, we could do this life thing together because yeah please balance. guys it just took me off many cliffs and many edges <laughs> and many <laughs> yeah and has helped me make many a decision because i'm also indecisive and she's the exact opposite oh my gosh that is our so, biggest difference our friendship <laughs> works so well because i'm like i'm struggling and she's like da, 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 da. and i'm like oh oh my gosh you know so it's a very interesting balance but i think you're very right that we balance each other out very very well um mm. Thank you, Jesus, because you can tend to think that 
opposites, you know, it can go horribly. But I think mm. we are a testament to the fact that yes, it can work. Yes, <laughs> it can work. There can be balance in this life. Okay, the next question. <laughs> I'm gonna go right there. Okay, it's been to go. I hope you're ready. As, I don't know which one. Okay. As firstborn daughters, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> as firstborn daughters, how are you doing? Let's go Breathing hmm? through the wound. As a firstborn daughter. I will tell you that mm. um, I've been breathing through the wound for many years. Mm. But I think that this year has been the easiest mm. that I've had in a while. And, oh, and I would credit going to therapy. <laughs> All the that. days of our lives. Absolutely. Um, I think as a firstborn daughter and um and also just my personality the type of person I am mm. I did um carry a lot a lot of responsibility that I didn't necessarily have to um mm. which weighed very heavily on me <laughs> and um going to therapy has allowed me to um almost like remove certain responsibilities and burdens mm. that I didn't have to carry and um yeah so yeah uh it's 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 going as good as it has been for a very long time but I will say that it was also very difficult um not taking responsibility for certain things Mm. um especially when I'm a responsible girl Mm. yeah and also like I I'm very smart, but I'm also very controlling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I often think like, if I don't do it, no one else will. But mm. also the fact that I always do it, I don't necessarily give people the opportunity to do it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, ugh, I've learned a lot. Therapy is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are pro therapy up in here. Um, so, and I'm sure everyone has heard us say that <laughs> every episode, but that just tells every episode. you. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is how I'm doing. That's currently. how you're doing as a firstborn daughter. Look, yeah. That's I think. Yeah. Hey, first I was thinking about this the other day. Um, for those of you that don't know, so I do, I have an older brother. I am the first girl, but due mm-hmm. to circumstances in life, I spent quite a lot of my early, um, I guess, childhood being the firstborn. Yeah. Mm-hmm but I am the first girl child. Um, and so <laughs> I, I, breathing through the wound would be an accurate way to describe it. <laughs> I think how it manifested itself for me for most of my life was feeling the need to be strong. Mm. Um, so I had, I would call it a full strength because anyone mm. who knows me now can attest to the sensitive person that I am. Um, and I think the gentleness that you describe it is because of um, because of how sensitive I am. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I feel the need to sort of, I it is as a result of my own sensitivity that I am sensitive towards other people as well. So I had this full strength for a lot of my life because being a firstborn daughter required me to show up strong, mm-hmm. um, even when I didn't necessarily feel that I had the strength to be able to do that. And so mm-hmm. I masked many tears. I was the person who would cry in the bathroom. 
I would, you know, like have to face things that I felt like I didn't necessarily have the capacity to face. And then um, I think it was about 20, 2017, when I had a whole meltdown and a revelation about myself with myself, I was also, I think I had just started going to therapy at that stage, but I was actually just, I was struggling with anxiety a lot at that stage. And I was journeying through it a lot and I would have like panic attacks and things like that. And I remember having like a panic attack the one night and, and I don't remember if I had this moment of revelation the same night or a few nights later, but coming to terms with the fact that I am sensitive mm. and deciding to lay down this faux strength um, and to accept my sense because it was I was living in cognitive dissonance you know I, mm. I am sensitive but I'm trying to show up as something that I'm not so there's just constant this inner turmoil within me um, trying to mask my tears trying to you know show up as someone that I'm not and so I made the decision consciously then to lay down the strength and to rather wear my vulnerability and my sensitivity um, and to learn, you know, how to show up sensitive um, and to learn to show up as myself and to learn to be honest about that and to learn to be truthful. And I think in certain relationships, it has, um, it is more evident than in others. So with my family, I still feel the need to, you know, wipe my tears in the bathroom and then come up and, you know, sort of be strong. So I was having a conversation recently about, um, you know, I was struggling with something and my anxiety was, you know, I, anxiety was peaking and no one in my family knew, you know, I couldn't mm. come to them and be like, oh, I'm struggling in this area because of this whole, how my strength, you know, shows up in this whole firstborn daughter syndrome. And I realized that while I am working at, 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 at showing up as my full sensitive self, um, that it has, it, it's so much easier in my friendships, you know, in my workspace, in, in, in every area outside of my friendship. And I realized that it's, I mean, outside of my family, rather, it's something that I have to learn to cultivate towards my family. And that's not easy because the strength Vele was birthed from this firstborn um, daughter thing. So I am having to learn. And I, I think the scariest thing about wanting to show up sensitive and soft in this space is that because I never have, now it has to change the whole dynamic, you know? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if I'm now not showing up as a strong one that's here for everybody and, you know, if I'm showing up with my sensitivities and, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with this and this anxiety, this and that and the other, the whole dynamic will be upset. Like it will, mm -hmm. you know, now have to, mm -hmm. we'll have to move around. And that's something that I'm not necessarily ready to deal with or ready to face. Mm -hmm. um, so I am, I'm trying as a first point, Dr. Shen, I am trying, like I'm, <laughs> I'm conscious of all these things again, definitely through the help of, of our therapy and these practitioners that are, you know, holding our lives together. But yeah, I'm conscious of that and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do yeah. I live this do you life? Think, do you think the pressure is inherent to being a firstborn or do you think it's something that is learned? The, this pressure of, of have being the, the strong one, having all things together. I wonder, hey, I think, I think we learn it as firstborns. I think because being a firstborn daughter, and I say daughter because also while my brother is older, like it's different for boys. 
And I'm sure there's a syndrome for men as well. Ne? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely different for girls. I feel like I have to keep things together. I feel like I have to keep everyone together. I feel, you know, there's, there's that responsibility that I, I feel inherently falls on me. Why I, th- I think you learn it as a firstborn child or a firstborn daughter, particularly because the minute you have younger siblings, there is an inherent responsibility that falls on you. Mm. You know what I mean? So you learn to become the strong person as a result of your role in the family or mm. your designation, quote unquote, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think both. I, I once read a tweet um, from a firstborn daughter and she was talking about how firstborn daughters are the, the chefs, the travel uh, the holiday planners, the financial yes. advisors, the yes. all you know, all the different roles. Yes. And I was like, I yes. wonder if it's, I wonder if families expect this of firstborn daughters, or mm. firstborn daughters assume this role. Mm. Like I wonder, like it's almost like the is the chicken and the, the egg. The, yes, the chicken yeah. and the egg. Yeah, um, because because also um, comments to that tweet. So many people related to that, like and across uh, various cultures and and even like mm. countries, you know, like so many people related to that. And I'm like, I wonder if it's something that I wonder. I wonder what came first, the expectation or the the firstborn daughter assuming the responsibilities and then mm. thus having to carry it the rest of their lives. I wonder. I really wonder. I also wonder, like, if it's if it is an expectation, does it ever end? Like, do your parents ever stop expecting that of you, or do they continue? You know, because if it's something that's innate and we adopt it, then uh-huh. I can see how that then it never ends. But if it's an expectation, like, does it have a deadline or not? <laughs> I don't think it has a deadline because I look at even um, my parents' generation, mm. um, how it's still the the eldest sibling that is making the decisions or taking lead mm. in like whatever family matters it's still the older the older one or, or, the although they're siblings. all adults and they all have their own families mm. when they when it comes to their family of origin it's still the older one that takes the lead and um and makes decisions and nah yes. that i would like to unsubscribe from please yeah no i think i think i'm unsubscribed <laughs> as simple as making dinner reservations for my family as people you know what restaurant we prefer (laughs) you make the phone call you tell us where we're gonna go and i'm like i would love to think that everyone is an adult but you know this is your specialty and i'm like okay like Mm. who died and especially you as someone who has brothers, you're going to be the Rakadi. I feel like Rakadis make all the decisions all the time. So yes. you're going to, you know, make this, you are going to be the Hopefully one Hopefully marrying into another family makes it someone else's problem. No, but, but for example, if your brothers have children and those children get married, you're going to be yeah, leading the, 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 yeah, the, the no. negotiations. You're going to, you know, it's the Rakadi does all the things. <laughs> Jesus, I guess, I don't know, I guess, <laughs> you know. It doesn't end, basically. No. Hi, 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 I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it here. But yes, that's how we're doing as firstborn daughters. Thanks for your question. Going through the most. I hope that all other firstborn daughters are are taking care of themselves i have a friend who uh occasionally like would post something like firstborn daughters go buy yourself something 
something nice or something Please. you wanted. So I'm like, those, those are habits that we have to uh, incorporate in our lives. Like as, reward yourself, have a firstborn daughter day where you go do Please. all the, your favorite things. Where no one is expecting anything of you. Yeah. I mean, also I'm like, we are firstborn daughters and then we become mothers. Like when does the world ever stop needing anything from us? <laughs> True. Yes, okay, so um, another question we have mm-hmm. is how have you navigated different seasons in people's mm-hmm. lives and different or changing beliefs in people's lives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my friends should be answering this because my, my, my beliefs have changed. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the same, I think I've it's a hard, it's hard, I don't know if it's hard or if I just need to like articulate, it's hard to articulate maybe what mm-hmm. I think, but I think it's so, imp- I think this, uh, this happens in adult friendships, which we've had a conversation about. Yeah. I think part and parcel of, of, of maybe having friends when you're younger and then you guys all become adults, there's a lot of having to navigate this particular mm-hmm thing you know navigating different seasons and different people's lives because you go from being maybe in high school and then you're in varsity maybe you go to different varsity so people are in different places and you know they start to believe different things and then you Mm. from varsity you start working different people start working at different times people get married people have children um, and all these things like you know it's life-altering things that are happening um, and as part and parcel of this, obviously, beliefs change. You live through a pandemic, you know, George Floyd, all these things happen. Um, and so I have friends that I have somewhat grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um, a big, like a lot of the friends that I have now are friends that I've had since varsity. So that's about, how many years is it? It's 20, so... I finished varsity nine years ago. So it's, you know, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I still have like one or two high school friendships and then also still one or two like primary school friends, um, maybe more than one or two, but I'm off the top of my head kind of thing, right? And so navigating these things, um, it's not easy. It's mm. definitely not easy. Um, and, 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 even as it pertains to just the person themselves, like outside of how those changes affect our friendship, but just how those changes affect the person, you know, sometimes it's hard to distinguish that, like, am I feeling a type of way because of how it affects me or am I feeling a way because of how it affects them? But I think how I continue, and I I don't know that I know for sure how mm-hmm. you know how I've navigated this or how I continue to navigate this because I think it's an ongoing thing that I'll continue to to have to wonder about and continue to have to ponder and and and, and hold space for but I think that's exactly how I've, like, I like I am managing it is by holding space for things um I think I recognize because I recognize that I change my mind so many times or that I've been through so many changes myself, right? Because I'm able to recognize the changes that I have gone through. I understand that everyone else will be going through similar changes. Mm. And I think particularly with regards to this deconstruction and the reconstruction of our faith, having to go through that has helped me to be less judgmental of the different journeys that people are going on and are going through. Mm. Um, 
I think I recognize, I, I feel so much better now as I've grown older about changing my mind, about recognizing that I may have been wrong about certain things. And so mm-hmm. because I, I feel that way internally, I'm able to hold space for that, for other people, you know, that, mm. you know, you're, you're allowed to change your mind. And even if a lot of my friends that I have, so a lot of my closest friends, we were in the same church for a very long time. And then as life happened, as all of us continue to grow, you know, now a lot of us are in different churches, right? Um, And how we view certain things maybe is influenced by the church that we're currently in, which is different to one another, right? But I'm learning, um, again, as we've mentioned on this platform multiple times about fragments, um, about understanding rather than right or wrong, um, about holding space for different perspectives, about Mm. listening to understand rather than correct, you know? about Mm. how expansive the faith is, like just how spacious, how wide and capacious the faith is rather than this weird narrow-minded thing that is meant to result in black and white answers. Um, So I think um, my own growth and my own change and the changes that I've had to navigate personally are helping me to hold space for the changes in other people's lives also will never ever be a finished product. So I am coming to terms with the fact that we will continue to have to hold space for one another until, 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 until. Absolutely. I agree. I think that um, when it comes to different seasons in people's lives, just like from a practical sense, mm-hmm. um, I, I have the opinion <laughs> that, um, okay, obviously it takes it you know it takes mutual effort to maintain any type of relationship yeah but i do think that the person who is experiencing the change um needs to um almost uh i don't know what word to use Mm -hmm. but um, maybe hmm, i don't want to say responsible like but maybe they should be intentional about helping the relationship navigate the change as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. A, just a, a simple example is I went from not, not studying to studying, which changed mm-hmm. my life drastically. Like mm-hmm. I have no time for anything else. So I, I do think that when I do have the time to visit friends to see friends like I think it's my responsibility to reach out and say Mm -hmm. hey I'm I don't have class this week do do you want to do something Mm -hmm. Uh, because I'm the one going through that who went through the change you know we went from having um equal amount of free time you know we could meet let's say we could meet um every second week or something like that and then all of a sudden I can only do once every three months Mm -hmm. I think that it's my responsibility to communicate that and also make sure that that once every three months does happen because the the it, it's reliant on my schedule. Mm. Um, so I think that it's the same can be said with any season of life, whether like going from being single to being married or going from single to being a mother now. I think that it's um, the person, like the friend that gets married, it's I think it's 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 important to be intentional to include the the friends that you had like, or not like, to help the friends that you had navigate yeah. this this new you as a wife you know mm. what does it look like um um an example is like oh 
I'll, I'll use an example of a friendship that I had, like where um, I, I was able to come and go at a friend's house however I wanted because she stayed by herself. And then mm. all of a sudden she's married now. It's no mm. longer just her house. It's her and her yeah. husband. It's a shared mm. space. That's so I can't, space. yeah, I can't come and go as I want. I can't do whatever I want in that space like I used to. So I think it's it's her, she needs to be intentional about, um, about setting the tone of like what is acceptable, what is not what acceptable. Is not. Yeah. yeah, and and how how do we like, you know, how does this, how, how is our friendship evolving mm. as, as her life is also evolving? Mm. So, mm. so I think that the person experiencing the change, I think should be intentional to make sure that the friendship, because you are the one who's experiencing the change. You know what mm. the change is. Um, you like, you don't necessarily know what my school schedule is, but I do think that where the mutuality comes in is that because you know that I'm, I'm a student and I'm suffering, you know, you mm. can be more intentional in checking in. Like, how mm. are you doing? Like, how's your test mm. schedule? How, um, mm-hmm. Because you know that that is a change that I went through. Mm. Yeah. Well, and even minimizing expectations. So if I knew that yes, oh, I yes. could talk to you like seven times a day, every day, yeah. um, seven days a week, sorry, is what I meant to say. I am aware, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I can hold space for the fact that, look, Shem, the girl needs to spend a lot more time on other things. But I think mm. fundamentally communication, hey, like yes, yes. at the crux of it all is, is communicating. Um, whether you're the person who is experiencing the change, communicating um, how the change now affects the relationship with your friends, um, mm. or if you're the person on the other side, you know, you're not necessarily navigating the change, but let's say, your friend is being able to communicate um, if you feel that maybe they haven't communicated or whatever. Communicating that. Or well, even feel like, if you feel like you feel, you feel neglected, like communicate that. Yeah, like, you know, being I, able I, to say, yeah. I'm not sure that we are, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think fundamentally communication, holding space and making the practical things mm. yeah, is, mm. is what we have come up with. I feel like we're taking so long to answer these questions, but... We're going to get there. Um, next question. Um, and I'm asking this because I feel like you will sit, you'll answer well first. <laughs> um, navigating loving the LGBTQIA plus community as a Christian. Is the statement love the sinner and not the sin helpful? I'm only asking, I'm asking you this so that you don't ask me because I think you'll answer it better first. Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> um, for anyone who doesn't know this, I am absolutely affirming. Mm. I'm absolutely no question about it. Mm. Um, so when it comes to the statement, love the sinner and not the sin, um, I've never heard that statement be used for any other any other thing that is perceived as a sin. Um, yeah. Like, I, as I said, I'm very dramatic. I complain all the time. I've never <laughs> had someone, you know, tell me, oh, Ito, you complain a lot, but I love you. I love you, not the sin, you know? Like, I, mm, I think it... Complain, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I've, I've never... So for, yeah, firstly, I don't, I don't think being LGBT, uh, being a cure is um, a sin. I don't think it's a sin. Um, mm. But for those that do think it's a sin, I don't think that that statement is helpful because it's it's why is it only used on that perceived sin? You know, I don't mm. I've never heard it used anywhere else. Um, 
navigating loving the community. I don't think I've had to navigate loving the community. Mm. Um, I think I've had to navigate loving people. Yeah. as a whole, because that 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 ain't easy. Not everybody's lovable, but we mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. love people because scripture tells us to love our neighbor. So I think I've had to navigate loving people in mm. general. And um and I'm not here to to tell people you know to to detect to people like what they believe should be. Um, mm. but I do God gives us free will. And mm. I don't think that as Christians is our place to want to um, to direct how that free will is utilized. You know, mm. I think if you believe that being gay is a sin, don't be gay then. It's you, it's about you. Now don't mm. go and want to tell other people how to live their lives. Mm. Um, because yeah, I think that we, that I think there is no, I don't believe that there's a junior Holy Spirit. I think that I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in me, just mm-hmm. the very same way you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in you. Mm-hmm. And um, what Holy Spirit reveals to me and what, like, I can't, I can't, I can't um, nullify or, or dictate like how what holy you feel that holy spirit is revealing to you you know yeah. like i feel it's, like you should wrong or right yeah yeah you should outwork your faith the way that you feel led to outwork your faith mm. um and we all have autonomy so yeah i believe yeah that's what i believe <laughs> <laughs> i feel like did you just stop yourself from saying more uh no I think I, I think I was going to repeat what I said but bottom oh. line is I am absolutely affirming if you want to be affirmed please come to me I will affirm <laughs> you to kingdom come she said if you want to be affirmed and I think um, I, I was going to say exactly that about that I'm not exclusively navigating loving um the LGBTQIA plus community as much mm. as I am navigating loving people Mm. um and I think after the conversation that we've had with Khali about everyone being welcome to the table I and even a little bit before that because it's something that we've been I've been thinking about and maybe we've had other conversations about that I believe that the gospel message is for all people yeah excuse me so as somebody who believes in the gospel message, believes in in the fundamental call to love God and to love people. I I don't, there's no boundaries, you know, Mm. that I'm going to love these kind of people and not love those people or these people I'm going to sit at a table with and those people are not. Um, I believe that the faith calls us to a radical love, you know, Um, whether we agree or not. Again, it's a whole Thing that I've had to navigate in the past year or two about because I'm a kind of person who can I want black and white you know I want it to make sense and I'm coming to terms with the fact that a lot of life is gray mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's hard for someone who wants black and white it's hard but I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing that it's more so about understanding than it is about me being right um, and I think often we tend to use our faith to to wield judgment because mm. we think we are right and someone else is wrong. Often when we disagree, we want to use our faith as a tool that justifies why we are judgmental to other people. Um, and I think that is an incorrect use of the gospel. 
Um, mm. I think the gospel is a tool that is meant to increase our capacity to love one another. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is how I'm, I'm, I'm navigating loving people in general as a Christian. I also think, um, you know, I think that sometimes as Christian, we also use the term love one another almost like as a cop-out because mm. um, it's, <laughs> it, a lot of people are like, I love you too much to leave you as you are you know things things like that are said and so they they um they but again even the statement is said assuming that i am right and you are wrong yeah absolutely so there is that judgment yeah yeah i i don't feel that i can make that judgment you know yeah yeah i i I don't feel that i can unequivocally say i'm right about anything in this world and say that you are wrong about anything mm. in this world i i don't know where people get that thing <laughs> the audacity <laughs> you know? yeah like where do you you know mm. i don't know i i think i am convicted you know about many things um but does that mean that makes me right and you wrong i i i can't say that Hmm. I, I I can't you know so and 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 having to accept that is teaching me to be less judgmental hmm. about across the board but love the sinner and not the sin is it helpful I don't know <laughs> I don't know 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 that's a good answer. I don't know. Yeah. It's a good answer. Yeah. And does. And does, um, you know, in the words of it, and does quite literally. There was something yeah. Else, but I, I can't remember now. Um, oh, I can't remember. Um, okay, there's a question. Is there, are there any opinions that you've shared on the podcast that you feel have changed sure that means i have to remember all the opinions I've shared <laughs> on the podcast. um i remember that there's been instances where we had to clarify certain things i think it was after the dating one or something like that um do you remember the doctrine of dating something like that I don't, know. I don't remember. I, don't know. I needed to clarify something at some point. I, re- I remember coming back on another episode and being like, I didn't mean this and that and the other. But things that have changed, maybe you tell me about me, Itu. Is there anything that uh, you know that I've said that I no longer believe? Because I feel like... As you said, like I, now I have to remember what you said. I do I think know. that... Um, maybe let's say over the past, since last year, are there yeah, any I was of my beliefs say, like, that you over, know have changed? Yeah. Um... I think that I would say that you are more open-minded. Mm-hmm. You you are growing, like it's 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 a continuous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there's like a specific belief that has changed. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one at the moment. No, no neither I can I. I can't think of one either. Do you know about yourself? Um, no, I, I, I don't think there is anything that, any view that I've shared that 
there probably is though because I change my mm. mind a lot mm. um but I do think I was having a conversation with someone this week and they were it's someone who knows me really well and mm. they were like they feel that I'm very um what is the word she used um I'm very guarded on the mm. podcast she was because I think in real life I'm very um explicit about my views yes. <laughs> and whereas on um on the park but also I think that is because I change my mind so often yeah um, you don't and, mm. I, and with the people in my life like when I change my mind I can easily tell them you know they don't yes. know oh, you know I don't I don't feel also because they know anymore. you and they're close to you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and also the I think that because, the context yeah yes and because a lot of my views and beliefs are I think are different from what people who don't know me would expect them to be. Mm. Um, I do think that it would be very irresponsible of me to share certain things without explaining my reasons. Yeah, without context. Yeah, mm. without context. Um, mm. So I, I think with that. people that with people that know me and they know the type of person I am, and mm. we have the luxury of time in uh, in a relationship where I can explain or they kind of know the things that inform my thoughts and my beliefs, I think it is easier for me to be a bit more open mm. about the things that I believe than it is on the podcast. I think that is very fair and accurate. Yeah. I can't, I don't know, guys. Yes, the answer is maybe, <laughs> but we can't explicitly think of anything. Um, but we are open to changing our minds. And I speak for the both of us. I think I can because we are not holding tightly, too tightly to opinions that are subject to change. I think, um, as I've said at the beginning of this episode is that I personally am still, I'm recognizing that there is still so much reconstruction to be done Mm -hmm. that, but it doesn't mean like I don't hold to anything, you know, but I'm holding to it loosely. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I, I can, I stand to be corrected. Yeah. Is 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 more so my posture is that I stand to be corrected. Um, yeah. So nothing necessarily. The last question. Are you ready? I'm ready. The last question, <laughs> and someone who is a marketer is trying to sell me a product. Um, <laughs> you know these spam calls that we get every day. Anyway. Last question, what is the prosperity gospel and what do you think about it? Wow, what a wow, what a question. It also feels like it should be a separate episode, but let's see what you can do in an answer. Yeah. What wow. is the prosperity gospel? Yeah, this person wants a definition. I know, yeah, I was about to, I'm like, should I Google Again, you're a good person to answer this. I actually should recently I read, for my research, I was, I was reading about prosperity gospel in Africa. Okay, um, tell us, what is it? No, 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 no. Google, please. I'm actually going to Google, what is the prosperity gospel? Please Google. Um, okay, prosperity theology is a religious belief that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for them. 
and that faith, positive speech, and donations <laughs> to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. Mm-hmm. That is what is on the internet. Yes, so that you must, as a result of sowing this, you will reap prosperity. You will reap that. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That so is, that is. Um, that is the mm-hmm. what i think about the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. um i think i shared this in the desiring wealth episode mm, chat. Um, mm. that i think that the prosperity gospel uh, allows people to um to avoid responsibility mm. for, for a lot of actions mm-hmm. um and uh, an example is like we talk about um, hoarding wealth um, often and mm. the effect of capitalism on society. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's with the uh, prosperity theology, I think it's easy to think that you deserve everything that you have mm. and that everything that you materially everything that you have is God's blessing Mm. um, for you and I think that it it removes the responsibility of of actually assessing how you obtained what you have Mm -hmm. and why those that don't have don't have you know Mm. I think like Mm. we can say to people um you need to work harder or you need to sow a seed and for God to bless you without, and without looking at the structure of poverty, you know, how poverty mm. is structural and that no matter how much you give, you know, mm. it will not, it mm. will not um, remove you from, from poverty. structural mm. oppression. That is poverty. And mm. I think, and also that um, it, it also allows people to, to kind of um, ignore the effects of privilege mm-hmm. um, because it's like, it's either I've worked for it or this mm-hmm. is God's blessing and this is God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it's not God's will for our lives, but I think it just automatically, like, I think the prosperity gospel goes hand in hand with spiritual bypassing because yeah. you give spiritual reasoning to the, the, the material wealth that you have possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure. You, As opposed to come to terms with the real reason, which yeah, with the real reason like that it's it, yeah, exploitation, mm. privilege, um, hoarding of wealth, uh, not distributing the wealth that you have. Uh, you know, mm. it's yeah. Mm. So that's what I, I think. I think that uh, prosperity gospel can be very harmful. I think it is mm. very harmful. I think not can. I think it mm. it is <laughs> it is harmful. Mm. Um, and I think that it, it also boxes God and it, 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 and, and it boxes your relationship with God because now your relationship with God becomes this transactional relationship yes. that uh, you can um, name it and claim it and then God has to give it to you. And, mm. um, and uh, uh, or like, I'm going to fast for this car and, you know, and mm. it's your fasting oh. that moves God, you know, and, mm. um, or I'm going to sow a seed and God is going to give me the desires of my heart Um I'm like, mm, yeah, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't align <laughs> with, I think it's with what so I complex. believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's so complex um, in that, like, it's, it's multi-layered. Um, mm. I, I, so the definition, we agree that that's what the definition is. With regards to what I think about it as well, I, I um, 
So I feel that, I think it can be used to manipulate um, generosity, people's generosity. Mm. Um, because usually it is promised to people, right? Scripture is used as um, evidence to say to people that if you continue to give up these things, and I think the definition said finances, um, there were three things, kind words or something like that. There were three things that it says, as you continue to sow these things, you will without a doubt reap, you know, mm -hmm. um, prosperity in your mm -hmm. life. And so without, I guess, thinking about it for yourself or asking questions of the scriptures, people can sort of sow of these things um, expecting or rather believing that this is what God expects of them to bless them. Mm. Um, and so I think it, it, it is manipulative in the sense that people believe that God's blessing of them depends on their sowing into their sowing of certain things, right? Whereas mm. I believe that God blesses us because he blesses us. Mm. Um, do I believe that there are consequences for actions? Um, absolutely. Like, you know, but do I think that God blesses you because you've given? No, I don't think so. I think as well that um, the prosperity gospel, I think it takes away from the richness of the gospel that yes, God wants us to prosper. I think there's a scripture that says that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. Mm. Nah. But that pros that us prospering does not depend on anything that we're able to do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. It does not depend on how much we're willing to give versus what we're not able to. I think that this thing can be used as a means to, as a toxic way to bind people into putting themselves into debt. You know, it's, it's, it's just, I just can't just, yeah, I just, I don't know. Hey, I think, I don't know what the words are that I want to say, but I think that I don't know that it gives adequate representation mm. of who Christ is. I don't know that it gives adequate representation of what the scriptures teach about our generosity or generosity and giving. I don't know that it gives adequate representation of of I guess what what can be taught is God's expectation of us you know I think people and I think as well that it has been in in the African context particularly it has been used um as a mean it has been used as something that that capitalizes on the desperation of people mm -hmm. right knowing that people are poor knowing that there's such a big statistic of poverty um it is easily used as something that can capitalize on their desperation because people want to prosper, right? We teach them to give as opposed to, like Ito has said, addressing systems of oppression that keep them in that, in, in that state, right? So we're saying it's because you don't give that you're poor. And I think that is incorrect. I think it's an incorrect reading of, mm. of, 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 of the problem. And so I think it is manipulative and unfair to teach people that, these are the reasons why they're poor and that they can get themselves out of it through the like yeah i i think it's flawed 
that yeah. I think is just fundamentally the word that I'm looking for. I think it is flawed. I do not agree with 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 what the prosperity theology has to say. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I don't believe what the prosperity theology believes, um, and I, I think it's very flawed. And I think it's manipulative and can be very toxic. Um, does God want us to prosper? Absolutely, yes. Um, but do we come unto Christ also so that we can attain prosperity? I don't think so, you know? Um, yeah. And I think also there is, I, I, I also don't just attach prosperity to material. I was about to say that, yeah. Increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that you can, that you sewing materially means you're going to reap like, it's just, no, I don't agree. <laughs> and <laughs> even, I think, I don't agree. Even like I like that the definition also mentioned physical well-being, because mm. um, I think mm. that um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that we uh, that uh, there's just so much. That's I, a lot. In, in 2020, this is another I, one of purity culture. Like you guys are. It really is. I feel like it, it can be. It can be. <laughs> it can be an episode. You're right. Um, mm. In 2020, I attended. Um, a, like I did a course, I did a course, uh, Evolving Faith course. And I remember um, they were talking, uh, there was um, a section that we were talking about ableism in the church. Mm. And one of the, the speakers was, um, was a lady who, who is disabled. And she, I, her first statement was that my disability isn't, um, what? Oh, no, I don't want to misquote her. Um, mm. she, oh, she's like, I think like something like my existence isn't an opportunity for a miracle. And mm. talking about how her I've experience, this before. Yeah. yeah, her experience in the church, like, and her existence, like how she was always made to feel as if she wasn't whole and good as she was. And that there was always, like a need mm, for more than for to create her disability yeah, she away. Was an opportunity for yeah. yeah, she was an opportunity for a miracle. And that even the shame that comes with not having the, the prayers answered is like, are you mm. praying hard enough? Are you doing mm. devotion? Are you fasting? Mm. Are you doing all these things? Because with the prosperity gospel, I think our works are um, esteemed so much that it feels yeah, like that's what moves God, you know? Mm. And also... Um, I think, yes, and I think that what's another thing that's important to consider is our definition of prosperity. Yes, mm. the scripture does, does say God wants us to prosper, but what does that look like? You know, how do, you know, is our definition of, of, of prospering in line with what the scripture is actually talking about? Because um, mm. it's easy to, to say, yes, God wants us to prosper and then continue to hold wealth. Like, where is that? Um, conflicts with so much more of scripture than that just yeah, you know that one yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it's oh, I don't know I just think it's very really harmful yeah I agree with you we agree on the harmful agree. yeah agreed 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 and that is the Q&A episode guys thank you for the questions um, I think it has taken us a very long time to answer each question <laughs> but I think when you listen to the to an episode of TFC, you expect um, you you have come to expect these things from us, 
Um, it has been versatile in that we have had to address many different topics where usually we're addressing mm. one, um, mm. but it has been fun and has been amazing. And we, we thank you for your engagement, your continued engagement with the podcast um, on all the platforms, but also um, your engagement with our Instagram account. We are getting towards the end of the year, so we're going to wrap up this season and then in 2023, we are going to bring you another season of TFC. So if you have any thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything that you're thinking, what you'd like to see or hear more of, um, you know, on the platform, let us know. You can DM us on Instagram, as Ito has mentioned. Our handle is at TFC underscore podcast on Instagram. And that is at TFC underscore podcast. Let us know. Um, your answers to these questions you know what do you think you know you've put us in the hot seat <laughs> and I don't know how we've done but I hope we've done well we will still attend to the purity culture one but let us know what your thoughts are if any of your beliefs have changed maybe as a result of listening to the podcast or any other life experiences that you may have had um, but also yeah please do engage with us on, on on the platforms that the podcast is on you know apple Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, all those other things. Rate mm-hmm. us, all the good things. I don't know those things. It is the socials girl. Okay, I just show up <laughs> to the party. But all the things that happen, do the things, um, continue to engage with us, like, share, do all the amazing things. I feel like a YouTuber and I don't usually say these <laughs> things. So before I digress, I think it's fair to say goodbye and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.